Hi, and welcome back to the Cheeky Crypto Podcast. My name's Chris, and it's fantastic to have you back with us for another podcast video. And boy, this one's special. We've managed to get an interview with the CEO, Clarice, of Cogito. And this is a, you know, a fantastic-looking project, um, definitely one to go do your research on. And obviously, if you're in a Discord, you definitely want to pay attention to this interview. Right. If you enjoy this sort of content, mash up the like button, subscribe if you haven't subscribed already, tap in that bell, selecting all the notifications so you never miss a video. And uh, yeah, look, make sure that you uh, jump down into the Discord for more details, particularly on this project. Right, let's get down to the desktop. So thanks for joining us today, Clarice. It's fantastic to have you on the channel. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to to answer some questions from our community. Really do appreciate that. Um, I guess to, to kick off, could we just uh, find out a little bit more about you, yourself and how you got into to crypto in the first place? I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Chris. Uh, nice to meet you as well, JP. Um, it's uh, really great pleasure for me to join this chat, this call. And yeah, so I um, come from the banking industry and I used to work for HSBC for about six years for the corporate banking department. So I have actually known crypto for a long time because they have been known as, you know, a scam to the yes. traditional finance people for a long time. But I was actually only interested when DeFi started to take off because that's when I realized, wait a second, this is something that I can actually do something. You know, this is something that I am familiar with. The DeFi products, at that time, there was only like a few of them, right? So they're basically uh, running the traditional finance products on chain. So it's much easier for me to understand than understanding the technology behind this uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. So... Uh, but then, and then I got really involved in crypto during actually during the summer of Ian Finance. I'm not sure if you guys were closely following that. That was yeah. a very crazy time. You know, YFI basically started the DeFi summer where the tokens went thousand x during a few months. I was really uh, like very into that. I was still working in HSBC back then in HSBC Bangkok, but I spent most of my part time like aping into DeFi at that time, and then. Uh, uh, and then in 2022, basically last year, uh, Janet introduced me to this project of Cogito. So Cogito, as, as I believe most of the audience know, that is an MAI-powered stablecoin that is not packed to fiat. So the idea was created by Ben, Ben Gorto of Singularity Net. And Janet was my, uh, uh, my senior manager back then in HSBC. So she brought me into the team to manage the project. So that's how I get started. And then here I am fully dedicated to, you know, delivering Cogito to the industry. Sounds, sounds fantastic. So obviously, Cloris, it's, it's wonderful to have you on the channel to talk over um, everything Cogito. So you briefly touched on it there, but could you maybe elaborate a little more for us um, as to what Cogito is? or anyone that doesn't really know? Sure, yes. So Cogito in a nutshell is, as I uh, just mentioned, is an AI-powered stable coin that is not independent from fiat. So basically, there are two main components here, which is one is the AI, AI elements, like what AI techniques are we going to use? Because, you know, right now in crypto, even like in the entire tech world, people are talking about implementing AI in different aspects. Like, how are we able to actually incorporate that in our design, in our product? 
this is the first part that I think most uh, most audience will be interested in. Second is the uh, fiat independent uh, feature. So you know, right now, 99% of the stable coins in crypto they are packed to either uh, US dollar or like let's say euro, right? Basically to fiat. And uh, aside from us, I can only think of one one only project that is not packed to fiat. So why are we doing such a thing that is like so niche? And instead of you know just a, a just uh, just make it very easy for audience to understand like okay fiat is uh, stablecoin is just fiat pack so we're doing something different so these two parts are something I want to elaborate in more details as we are educating our users in terms of what exactly is Pogito yeah perfect um, so I I guess how how does Cogito work. Um, I just considering like we, we've seen an awful lot of the stable coins de-peg recently. So I think the, the yeah. timing, the timing is epic. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be really great to, to get more understanding how, how it works and, and how it's better. If that makes sense. Sure, sure. Yeah. So uh, Kojito, uh, our project offers stable coins that pack to a stable synthetic index instead of fiat. So we call our stablecoins tracer coins because we want to differentiate from the traditional terms, which is widely perceived as fiat packed. But in, in fact, we are actually just you know alternative stablecoins. So the first tracer coins we are going to launch is called Green Coin or G Coin, which is packed to a green index that measures the positive progress towards a net zero economy. So I'll use the um, mechanism of Green Coin to elaborate how does Cogito work exactly. So the way that Gcoin works, right? So first of all, we will create a green index. So we source data from different sources, for example, UN, uh, OECD, private institutions, et cetera. And this data covers multiple sustainability indicators, for example, renewable energy resources, green investment, et cetera. And then we feed the data into our uh, quantitative model. We integrate it for um, uh, a weighted average, which, which comes, becomes the green index. So the green index is the is the index that measures the positive progress, right? So we have done the uh, modeling for the data in the past 40 years, and basically the green index shows a very stable feature. It it moves about like appreciates about one to two percent per year, which provides a super good benchmark for a stable coin, right? Because we need this underlying benchmark to be stable so that our Anything else that creates on top of it can be used as a payment coin, right? And then after we have this, this uh, uh, green index, we create a green coin, which is a cryptocurrency that packs to the green index on a one-to-one -one basis. So the starting value of green coin is one USDC. So let's say uh, we are talking about launching in September this year. Let's say in September, uh, green index starting value is 100 and RG coins uh, initial value is one. And the next year, green index appreciates to 101, right? It's 1% appreciation. And then we can expect our G coin to be worth 1.01 as well. So by doing that, we are actually offering a very small inflation protection to the stablecoin holders. I mean. 1.1% or 2% is not big, but it's, it's significant as compared to zero, right? Because most, all, as far as I know, all the stable coins right now, they're over zero appreciation or inflation hedge. So that's uh, how it works. And then this come back, comes back to, okay, so green, uh, so, so this comes back to like, we are actually offering, first of all, 
create an index, right? Second, uh, create a, a coin that passed the index. So it leads to us to make sure that the green coin actually packs exactly strictly to the green index, which I believe I will be able to elaborate more in terms of our stabilization mechanism. But the main, the key thing here, one is the collateral for sure, right? Like crypto right now is not a world where we can trust, we can trust trust basically, right? So we need collateral. So, so in terms of handling collateral, we are adopting a more prudent measure than most projects, I would say. Um, so, you know, in, um, in the uh, crypto uh, DeFi, in DeFi, when we talk about collateral value, we just take the market value and then we just uh, calculate the based on the market value of the collateral versus the market value of the stable coins. And we call it like over collateralized as far as long as it's uh, above 100%. So what we are doing is slightly different. So we take into the risk of the collateral. For example, when we take into risky assets, so we are talking about launching a multi-chain, right? For example, Cardano with Matic ADA, Ethereum Matic ETH. So we would take this risky asset into our treasury. We already know that based on the historical price movement, they can go super, they can go down 40%, 60%. And we will take a discounting factor there. For example, ETH, we might take a 40% haircut on the price. So if we have $100 worth of ETH, we will only count into $60 worth of value, worth of value in terms of collateral value. And then our collateral ratio is based on this discounted value. So for us, the way that we run the collateral is we make sure that this counter value of our collateral is always above 100%. So which you can see that that is more prudent than just taking into the collateral, the, the market value, right? This is the first one. Second one relies on, uh, again, I want to go back to the AI technology that we are talking about, like how are we able to use the AI technology for us to be able to like manage, stabilize our pack? So there are several things that we can do. First of all, we are using uh, a market. We will be using a market prediction model developed by Singularity Net. So what does that do? That means like when there are large movements from the market, like a significant change of sentiment from the market, we will be able to, to identify that and we will be able to, account, uh, to counterpart that like move faster, but, uh, move faster assisted by another AI techniques, which is the automated trading agencies, et cetera, which helps us to make trading decisions and decide trading timing. So this will be assisted by the AI techniques. And uh, these two parts are the key, key design, I would say, that will help us to maintain the pack. Yeah. Perfect. I think you absolutely summed that up perfectly. It was brilliant. So if we could talk a little bit about the, the governance token, the CGV, could you maybe tell us a little bit about the utilities and the benefits of CGV token. Yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah. So uh, in terms of uh, when we talk about uh, tokens, right, because we know that it's a governance token, we cannot really say benefits or investing in the group to, uh, in the pro, uh, in the token because that might uh, imply that we are security. So I will mainly uh, highlight what are the utilities that of the governance token, right? So first of all, uh, I believe, I personally, and of course the project believes in the DAO governance, which means we will leave most of the important decisions for the DAO to decide. And uh, yeah, I have been receiving, by the way, I've been receiving this question many times, like uh, who do the shareholders decide on certain things? Basically they're referring to Ben, Janet and myself decide certain things. I want to clarify that no, 
after after we launch the project, basically we are off hands. We will provide some guidance to the project, to the community, to the DAO, but we won't be able to like be deciding every single matter. So what kind of decisions are considered important that DAO needs to participate or involve? So there are many things. First of all, as I mentioned, like how we work, right? We need to create a, an index. So the in, index in, in the index impacts many things. For example, what to include in the index, what is the weight of index actually has actually have an impact of the output of the index. For the index to be this way, is it stable enough to be one to two percent as we predicted, or will it go to 10%? Right? If it goes to 10%, is it really sustainable? Are we able to actually tackle that? So to decide to manage and maintain the index is something that the DAO will have to decide. Right, this is the first thing, which we call index management for Tracer coins. Right, so we this includes adjustment of index com, uh, components and ways, etc. The second one is is related to our business model, like how Cogito can actually make money instead of just relying on token sales. Right, this is something that everybody in crypto should be able to should 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 should, should try to understand, like when they are trying to get into a project. So. The business model of Cogito is that first of all, we are charging a minting fee and we are charging we are charging the redemption fee, which is in the form of the slippage when they are buying back, right? When we are buying back. And also we have uh, uh, treasury management income, right? Treasury uh, management income, which can, uh, which includes two parts. One is the fee, one is the curry. Fee is flat based on the amount of, uh, we manage. Uh, curry is based on the money that we make, right? The profit of the treasury. And then the trading fee from maintaining the pack. So the DAO will have a say in terms of which will impact our, our revenue revenue stream and a revenue model. So first of all, do we want to change the minting and redemption fee structure? Do we want to reduce it? Do we want to increase it? Right, this is something that DAO needs to decide because this manages not just our revenue, but also our adoption rate, right? So treasure management, when we go to invest our treasuries to different assets, to different platforms, the DAO will need to help decide, okay, what, uh, what assets can we allocate to, like what, what percentage will we be able to put in? So this is not like, okay, nobody is taking a leadership here, just we leave, the, we leave the public for the decision. So the way that I'm thinking about it right now, the design that we are having right now, right? Because treasure management is actually, like everything here we're talking, everything we're talking about here, a very professional, like, job. So we will have, let's say for treasure manager, we'll have a fund manager. We will still be using singularity AI techniques, but we will we will present many different options for the DAO to, to decide. So this is how we are going to work so that we make, we make sure that the DAO governance, the DAO participation is there, but also we have an expert that can help to oversee the process, right? So that's that's uh, the that's the revenue and also so when we are right now we are only talking about launching one tracer coin with the G coin but if you can see we our framework is works the same we create indexes create tracer coins and then we maintain the pad so we can actually over this as a stable coin as a service framework which we actually highlighted in our in our website so we will be able to launch other tracer coins if the market demands right so the DAO we'll be able to decide like what tracer coin comes next. So right now in our roadmap, we have an X coin in the, in the pipeline. X coin is basically a coin that tracks technological progress, which is more volatile than green coin, has different features, 
that is in the roadmap. But this, even that, that will need to decide on that because by then we are we are fully implemented. So the users, the the token holders are the are the voters. And then the last one, which most people actually care about when they're holding uh, CCP tokens, is like, okay, uh, we have decided on all the important strategic decisions which impact the revenue model of the project, right? How does that actually benefit the benefit? That how does that actually um, uh, makes the uh, CGV token more more uh, you know attractive. So the way that it works is the DAO can decide like how much of the revenue can be actually allocated for the buyback and burn of CGV tokens, basically reducing the circulating supply of the token. So that is the that is the part that so far as I have uh, like received feedback, most of them are most interested in that part. And there will be a balance on that. There will be a voting process on that, but there will also a balance between like, okay, do we give, uh, give out the, the revenue right now in order to buy back, or do we keep some of the revenue for future growth of the project? So this will, I, I expect this to be a debate and also a long discussion once we start to launch this, you know, uh, initiative. Yeah, so basically to, to summarize, these are all the, uh, utilities that our or the governance that the CTP token holders would expect. Sounds fantastic. Appreciate you going through that. And um, uh, another question that we had was, can you can we compare tracer coins to synthetic assets? And if that's the case, what makes uh, Kahito better? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, we say we are practicing synthetic indexes, right? But there are actually two genuine differences between synthetic assets versus uh, Cogito. So first of all, with synthetic assets, right, there are underlying, there are, sorry, synthetic assets are mostly tokenized risky assets, while Cogito offers a stable asset. What does that mean? So like, let's say synthetic Bitcoin, synthetic E, synthetic stocks, right? The underlying are mostly volatile assets, which based, uh, which which brings like, uh, offers additional liquidity from, or just additional liquidity from crypto. But for us, we are doing a stable asset. So this is a very big difference here, right? Second is with synthetic assets, there are underlying assets, right? For example, as I said, synthetic Bitcoin, you have a Bitcoin that is tradable already in the market, right? But with us, Cogito packs our tracer coin to, to non-financial indexes. Let's name Gcoin as an example, right? So in Gcoin, we are packed to a green index, which compromises of the sustainability indicator, as I mentioned, like uh, the green investment, renewable resources, et cetera. So this index itself is not investable. There is no such an there's no such an underlying asset that is investable. So it is up to the project, Cogito, yeah, right? So for us to actually achieve the pack through our stabilization mechanism and our treasury management, which can generate a yield that matches the movement of the, of the indexes, right? So by doing this, there are downsides of doing this because if you are talking about just tokenized traditional assets into crypto, which is the synthetic assets, it's very easy to do, right? You just uh, tokenize it as mentioned, like, but in our case, it's more complicated. We have so much more work here. But also there is a very important benefit of doing this because we are not limiting ourselves to certain assets, right? So we have more flexibility for the AI that I have been talking about to play a role in, for example, to have assisted 
automated treasure management for us to actually do the treasure management job in order to track the index movement. So this is one of the example, like this is green coin. But in the future, as I mentioned, we are open to launch other tracer coins, right? So if we are decide, we like the mark, if the, the DAO decides to launch some other tracer coins, which actually stri strictly have to some financial assets, then we can just make it easy. Like we will become like a very synthetic asset alike, right? We can just become a tokenized. What's the most interesting topic right now? Banking stocks. How yeah. about that? That's the <laughs> UBS stocks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So we can do that. So yeah, so I would say at this moment at our current design, the two main differences are we are doing stable assets and two, we, we may not have an underlying asset and need to realize our treasury management to achieve the, the index movement. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, again. So one of the questions obviously we do have from the community. Um, it's about the soft pegging. So if you could um, explain a little bit about what does soft pegging actually mean and how does it work? Yeah, sure. This is the this is my favorite question, actually. Yeah, this is the first time I received this question, so I think it's very important. So um, soft, uh, soft pegging, actually, there is, um, there is a very well-known well term of, of soft pegging in the finance world, um, which we can call it linked foreign exchange rate system, or even quit core pack sometimes. So uh, I give an example. I'm not sure if you guys uh, follow like uh, global currencies, for example, Hong Kong dollar. So Hong Kong dollar fluctuates with US dollar, right? Between 7.75 to 7.85. So basically when the uh, exchange rate of one US dollar to uh, sorry, US dollar to Hong Kong dollar drops below the lower limit and the Hong Kong Monetary Authority, Hong Kong MA, will buy from the market to support the lower uh, limit. And if it is above 7.85, the upper limit, it will sell to bring it down to the range, right? Our business model works in a very similar way. So we will be Cogito Protocol, our treasury, our, uh, management, our treasury management team, our stabilization team, I would say, will buy from the market when Gcoin drops below 0.98 of green index and will sell when it's above 1.02 to make sure that the peg between green index and green coin is between 0.98 to 102. So that is the soft peg we're talking about. Then you might ask like, okay, when we look at traditional foreign currency, we're talking about less than 1% fluctuation, but why are we accepting 2% movement here? This is mainly related to two things. First of all, our green index itself has a movement of about one to two percent per year, right? We need to take account uh, consideration of that. So basically, we will be able to. We are actually having slightly higher fluctuation than U.S. dollar, anyways. So that is the nature of our stablecoin, which, on the other hand, is completely fine, right? You guys are based in UK, right? Pound yeah. fluctuates against U.S. dollar about what up or down ten percent, right? Other mm -hmm. currencies maybe more so it's not actually if we if we are very used to this kind of system where actually two currencies can fluctuate in a moderate way so it's not actually a big deal so second, that's also my second reason because crypto actually is in an early 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 stage where users are getting started uh, started get used to this kind of concept like okay there should be more currencies in the world right we are not just happy us dollar like let's consider stablecoin as another currency so this mild more, uh, uh, fluctuation can actually help them to like really get a sense of okay 
we are not really a stable, we are not a US dollar stable coin. We are just a completely decentralized currency that is on the blockchain. Yeah, so that's why we are we are having this about 2% um, uh, uh, range that we can accept it to graduate. Perfect. And uh, one thing that I would say, uh, we've done some write-ups on different stable coins and there are differences from what they articulate on their website to what's actually in the white paper when it comes to whether they're loosely pegged or they're pegged one for one. So I would encourage everybody to to actually delve into the world of stable coins in a, a more deeper and meaningful way, because uh, I think it's quite surprising. So I really do, you know, it's one of the aspects I really like about this project is, you know, the transparency aspect of things um, because it, you know, it seems very uh, forthcoming with how it actually works and I really do like that because I, I look at this, the, some of the stable coins and they're not they're not in my eyes honest about how how they're actually uh, operating on the websites which um, I just wanted to highlight we've done some some free write-ups for, for people so jump in a discord and you can learn more about stable coins as well um, but moving on, um, the next question we had, will, will launching new Tracer coins depend on DAO votes? I think we touched on this a, a little bit. but um, Yeah. 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 I can just confirm that, yes. Yeah. It will depend on DAO votes. Awesome. Perfect. So, uh, you know, given the, the current development of CBDCs, obviously many countries yep. have rolled out schedules in the next two years, um, what do you see the impact having? of CBDC has been launched, what impact will they have of the Cogito rollout? Yeah, that's that's also a very good question. Uh, actually, my answer is very short. So CDBC is not a competitor of Cogito stablecoin. Why I say that? So what we are offering here is a decentralized stablecoin to, uh, to crypto industry. It is fully decentralized, is fully transparent, and it's uh, it's not it's not packed to fiat either. So this is something that OD, ODBC will never be able to offer. So like having a digital currency, big digital dollar, big pound, digital RMB, right? Whatever digital authority you're talking about, yes, you're talking about fiat, right? Now, regardless what the form of it is, it's in the form of a piece of paper, which is the currency, which is the paper money or like a, you know digital way is still fiat, right? And all the problems related to fiat or fiat uh, packed stable coins remain the same. And we are actually here to solve those problems. So they are not our competitors. So I don't think any of our stand stands will change at all. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. The the next question that I've got from from the community is um, uh, around risk, I guess. Are, are there yeah. any risks for uh, Gajito in, in regards to regulations? And I guess how how do how do you plan to, to mitigate any of those risks? Yeah, so I, I really appreciate this question. So, you know, because we are in DeFi, um, users sometimes get too hyped. And then they start to not pay attention to like what are the risks of uh, of such a product. So I would say like Cogito, regarding like how you are so excited about it, it's still a high risk project, right? We are at very early stage. Crypto itself is in a very early stage. There are many many unforeseen risks that may may be uh, related to this one, related to us. 
So I want to take this chance not to just touch base on the regulator risk, but also on other risks that I think are very important for the users to be aware of. And I also want to discuss like how we are here to mitigate the risk. The first one is the regulatory risk, right? Which I think is the greatest risk facing the entire crypto industry, right? So like for so like until a year ago, crypto is still widely unregulated, but now we already know the escalated regulatory risk. Basically, everyone is targeting crypto. Like there has been conspiracy theory in the world going on, saying like all the banks that collapse in US are the banks who are friendly to crypto, right? There's no way I can verify that. It's just a conspiracy, a conspiracy theory going on. But there could be chances where like the regulatory risk becomes so high that Cogito may have to, let's say in the very extreme case, pause the business or maybe delist from certain jurisdictions, right? Which will be very uh, negative impact to whoever holds our, our, our governance token. So the way that we mitigate the uh, regulatory risk is, first of all, our commitment is that we remain fully compliant with uh to the regulatory requirement so in order to do that we are allocating 24 percent of our total capital to the licensing and also the legal services so what does that mean because like as i mentioned we will be we will have a treasury management function of our project right so if in the in certain jurisdictions the treasury management require us us to have a proper license we will need to we will get that license so currently we are already pursuing, we, we actually are in discussion with a few jurisdictions with, with some of our, our legal counsel, like which, which countries can we go for obtaining the license already, just, you know, to pave the way for future, for, for a more broader uh, use for our project, right? So we have researched that and then we are, we are dedicating 24% of capital to that category. So that basically shows our commitment of, with full compliance. And second one is, I want to say, because the founding team, which is an advantage of coaching itself. So founding team, Jen and myself, right, we have been working with the bank like most of our times with HSBC for many years. So we actually have the experience of running business under regulation. So this is something like, oh, like, can you name something that you can actually say, oh, why do you think you are better at this? Mm -hmm. This is something that you bear in mind on your daily operation. You know, like when you see something, you have the sense, okay, this may not be the right way of doing things so we actually have that experience and expertise from our previous working experience so we are able to implement that in cogito's daily operation to make sure that okay from day to day we are actually being very prudent in terms of running our business in terms of like being compliant this is the second thing that i want to mention and then the third part which is not really mitigation mitigation but more on expert comfort so we actually have been, ever since we have this idea of doing a stablecoin project, we have been keeping uh, a talk with both external legal counsels from different jurisdictions and also policymakers, especially in the US. I don't think we will be offering in the US though, but we have been having talks with, with people who know well of the policies here. So the general comment that I got from them is that, well, nobody in crypto is exempt from the regulatory risk, literally no one. Like I, if I say, oh, we are safe, then I'm, I will be lying, right? Mm -hmm. So everyone has, has the risk, but Cogito is actually on the safer side in terms of the regulatory risk because of the nature of our business, because we are offering a non-fiat-packed tracer coin, right? So 
combining the three, I'm saying I want to say that despite that the regulatory risk is still here, it's like uh, it's 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 for everybody. It's a risk for everyone who is still in crypto, but we are actually managing it in with in a way that I think is very practical and I, I would I would say scientific as well. So that's how we manage the regulatory risk. And then there are two more risks that I do want to mention, which I think I want to highlight to our communities. And um, yeah, I, I just want to bring awareness to them. So the first one is the security risk. So nowadays, maybe people start to not really feel strongly about the security risk. But I believe last year, when there are so many hacks, one after one, millions of dollars of funds lost one after one. So people might get more scared, but you know, people have their short memories sometimes and then they tend to forget after a while. So I do want to mention that security risk is also like a, a significant risk in crypto because basically like DeFi is financial products running on code, right? The code, if anyone is in CS background or has some, back, some experience of writing code, it's impossible to write code. That is perfect. Perfection doesn't exist in code, right? So every single project in crypto, every single project is subject to the same risk of the security risk. So the way that we are uh, mitigating the security risk here is basically we are using what we think is the, the one of the best teams in the world. So we are, our project will be, our smart contract will be written, will be built by the same team who has been doing Singularity Net, Singularity DAO, NuNet, Rejuve in the past five years. They have a track record of hack free. And then they have proved their abilities of, of being able to come up with the with the uh, good quality code, et cetera. So the mitigation of security comes from the hiring a very capable team. This is one. And second, we're also dedicating our resources for auditing. So security auditing, et cetera, to make sure to do uh, to make sure that our code have been will be will be tested, will be audited from time to time. I know many people will take this for granted, but bear in mind in crypto and DeFi, many projects don't really do that. That's not like the best, that's not like a standard that everybody will adopt, but we will do that. And then the, we will also take extra steps aside from these two basic uh, measures. We will also explore the insurance. You know how crypto, uh, DeFi has some insurance protocols that uh, that help users to cover their code box and uh, uh, exploit, et cetera. So we're also exploring that. I cannot say which protocol we'll be working with right now because it's an ongoing discussion process, but these three are some, these three are the uh, measures that we are taking to mitigate the security risk. Uh, and the last one. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I, I love I love the answers because uh, you're right. There's a, a lot of protocols that don't sort of uh, take a lot of this uh, seriously. And uh, it's great to hear that the, the project team are, are really looking at this. I think that does sort of bring a, a lot of confidence. I have I have been saying for a while that, you know, there's uh cybersecurity projects within the space that should be utilized more as well so yes uh, yeah. it's music to my ears yeah thank you thank you i appreciate that yeah so i also agree that security risk is something that we definitely should not overlook so yeah and yeah i want to mention the third risk that i also want to highlight to our community is the market risk 
right? So this sounds also like an old topic. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever, market risk. But think about it. We are not in a market that is so promising right now. Banks clubs one after, uh, one after one, right? We don't know if there will be an, a reset, recession ahead of us, right? So like even let's say everything's going well, like we are actually recovering from the bear market, like we are bottoming out. There in the long term, we, we might still have experience cycle because when we talk about digital, right? I'm talking about at least five years or uh, and, and I'm looking at at least 10 years development plans, right? Like most users may only look at two to five years, but I need to look at 10 years, right? So for the next 10 years, there might be many different cycles, economic cycles, and you know, there might be many different changes in the global market. And then that might significantly impact our business. For example, like how the our token price might perform, like how the adoption our project might be in the longer term. So I do want to remind our team, to might remind our audience that bear in mind that this is a high risk project. There is a non-zero chance that you might, the, the token price might go to zero. <laughs> I don't want to see that, but I just want to say there's a non-zero chance, you know, that uh, after CS collapse, the other banks collapse as well. So I, I just want to bring this up for, uh, for awareness and uh, what is the implication to us in the uh, near term, right? So um, we are thinking about launching our token in Q3. So that is the most immediate plan that will be impacted, might be impacted by the market condition. So Q3 is only like half a year away, but the launch will be dependent on the market condition. For example, if in six months there is unexpected event that leads to as bad as March 12, 2020, right? Wait, that was 2019. Wait, that was 2020, never mind. That was 2020, yeah. So if we are in that kind of dark moment, there will be no point of pushing, of launching our token because we are basically like little early early adopters lose money right by pushing it to the market so we might have to delay that so this is the most immediate um, plan that might be impacted by the market condition and the way that we are doing it is well first of all I want to say that we have absolutely no control over the market condition right but our overall assessment which again might be wrong is that I think in uh, in crypto, the market sentiment is on the positive side for AI projects, for decentralized stable projects, stablecoin projects, or AI-powered stablecoin projects like Cogito, right? So overall, I think the assessment is on the positive side. And uh, second is in the case where we'll have to delay the token generation event to a more optimistic market, it's actually not a bad thing to some extent because it has the potential of increased valuation or launch, which might be actually a benefit to early adopters of our project, right? So even though that may mean like a delay of exit liquidity for, for, for some of them, right? And um, for an additional uh, comfort is that we are having enough funds that can help us to support at least 24 months runway. And even in, uh, like, let's say if the market goes really, really bad and we can actually survive longer with the fund that we have because we can basically run in a more budgeted way. So because of all this, I do want to mention that I also think the market risk 
while yes, we still need to bear in mind that it's very unpredictable, it's very uncertain, we are taking our ways to manage it as well. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. I think phenomenal answers you've gave us today. It's been brilliant. So we'll quickly move on to here. Um, and talk a little bit about Singularity DAO. Um, will there be any yep. synergy with Singularity DAO? Yes, there definitely will be uh, synergies with uh, Singularity DAO. So there are several things that we are talking about. So first of all, uh, some some community members have suggested to allocate some of our treasury to the data set for, for Singularity DAO for their management. This is something we will consider as well. So uh, this is one thing that I can see. Second, you know, Singularity DAO also has launch pads, right? So we are, we may also, well, during our uh, token launch, we may also consider that. So I, uh, I'm not sure if you guys follow the Rejuve launch. Rejuve is another Singularity Net spin of project. So the way that they do it is if you are staking AGIS or SingDAO tokens, you will be able to participate certain I'm not exactly sure about the, the details, but I believe that's about the rough design that they're having. And uh, we might consider a similar way to increase the synergies, not just between Singularity DAO, but also between Singularity, uh, with Singularity Net. Of course, I mean, we are spinning off from Singularity Net, I think DAO is our ecosystem project. And there are other things that I'm actually considering, which, uh, which I have not decided on the exact number, but then the, uh, the idea is that if, our uh, if the community members have seen DAO as a, some uh, snapshot DNSA holds some DAO tokens, and then when they come to participate in our token launch, or if uh, so, they can also they can enjoy some sort of reward airdrop rewards. So the, by doing this, we are encouraging users to host minority DAO tokens as well. So this is something that I have discussed with our team, but I have. So the, I, I'm pretty sure we will be launching uh, some campaign like this. I have just have not decided on the exact number here. So this is something that we are this is something that we are looking at right now, and this campaign will be applied to our seed and private investors as well. So like early investors, if they are they they are eligible for this criteria, they will have their job interest uh, based on the amount that they put in in the early stage, right? So. These are the synergies that I I can already think of. Like we are already in discussion right now, but I believe there will be more considering like how close these projects are within Singularity Net ecosystems. Yeah, that sounds sounds great. And uh, I think our, our community are very well averse with the Rejuve launch uh, that we took part in yeah. the uh, seed round as well. So um, yeah, some very happy community members that managed to get hold uh, of the, the the token very very early, which is which is great. Um, That's great. Yeah. Yeah. The, the next question I've got um, again, sort of, I guess, uh, uh, on the subject of singularity. DAO as well. Will uh, CGV staking be available? Uh, if so, uh, is it likely to be on uh, Singularity DAO's website on ETH BSC, so Binance Smart Chain, uh, like the other mm -hmm. you know Singularity uh, Net family projects? Mm -hmm. Will there also be an option for for Cardano? I think you mentioned Cardano earlier. Yeah, there will be an option for Cardano for sure. So um, there are actually, in terms of choosing chains, we are, first of all, we are very certain that we will go on Cardano. 
the challenge with Cardano is that the liquidity is not the best right now because we are still early. So we do need multiple, uh, multiple chain launch. So the second chain we are thinking about Ethereum and third chain might be BSC. And I think uh, I've discussed also with the team, like how many chains should we choose? I think we are, uh, we tend to think we should launch on two to three chains, three and most. So I'm not sure about the other, the, the other two, but I'm very sure about the Cardano, yeah. Perfect. Excellent. So another question, obviously, from the, the community. Um, if you're obviously moving to hypercycle for scalability and cross-chain interoperability, later in the project's life, uh, life cycle, um, are you, is there a potential to earn hypercycle tokens as a reward for holding CGV or vice versa? Yeah, so we are actually looking for uh, such an option. Um, so again, mainly because hypercycle is one of the CNET ecosystem projects, and also we are forming some partnerships with them as well. So we do want to make sure that for our partners and for ecosystem projects, we have this kind of synergies. But am I? But I don't think I will be able to confirm on the rewards or like uh, what exactly are the uh, initiatives that we're going to take because I think that might. This this moving to hypercycle in our roadmap is in at least a year and a half time. So I will have more clarity when it approaches. Yeah. Sounds sounds amazing. It really does sound so exciting. Um, all the collaborations and and all that wonderful stuff. And uh, yeah, look, the community's uh, buzzing right now. Really excited about the 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 project and everything that's happening. And uh, I think they're going to be even more excited after watching the interview. Um, you touched on the buybacks and the burn uh, initiatives yeah. uh, for the CGV token. How do, how does that yeah. work? Could we just touch on that in a bit more detail? Yeah, sure. I yeah. So I know many community members are very interested in this one. So one thing that I'm very sure is we will have this uh, buyback and burn initiative for Cogito. So the only question that is left for discussion is like how much and also when do we start that? So there, as I mentioned, there, it, there will be a balance between the project development, which relies on the capital of the company, also the ongoing revenue of the company, and also the utility of the tokens for the buyback and burn. So I would say in a safe time range, probably in 18 months when our revenue, I expect based on financial modeling, which can be different from the reality. So we are thinking about in 18 months, we are talking about starting with a smaller percentage, let's say 20% for buyback, and then it, uh, it has to a more stable revenue model, we go up all the way to perhaps 50%. So that is the that is the rough number that I am thinking about. But again, I won't be able to commit on the number or even on the timeline right now, because it depends on the market condition, depends on how well we perform in terms of generate, generating revenue. And also it very much depends on the DAO governance. Like the DAO, we have to decide, okay, how much do we want to distribute the money to buy back? Do we want to like, okay, if the DAO says, okay, let's, let's not care about how the project is doing tomorrow. Let's just spend all the money and buy back the token today. Okay, let's see. Right, <laughs> things like this can happen, right? It's not like okay, they cannot happen. So we all need to uh, 
we it's it's the project's responsibility to align the community, the token holders, so that their long term incentives are aligned with uh, with us as the founding team, and also as the long term benefit of the project. So that's up to us to do it. But in the end of the day, it will be the DAO to decide on these parameters. Yeah. Super. I really appreciate you you taking the time to answer the the community questions that that we had today. And uh, I know you guys are like super busy, so really do appreciate you you taking the time out your yeah your, your schedule. Um. So yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's really they are really great questions, and I appreciate your time. And let me know whenever you have any questions for me. Yeah, you definitely uh, have to to keep us updated on how everything goes. The the community would love to to see you on the channel again. I'm sure. Okay, Especially cool. right now, no I don't problem. think there's been a better time in the space than to, obviously to have this happen right now. Um, but I think I speak for the vast majority of the community. We are very excited for this project. Cool. Thank you very much for that, and we're looking forward to your community members. You know, joining my community. Yeah. So a big thank you to Clarice for coming on to the channel to talk about everything related to Tracer Coins and the project launch. Now, if you are interested in this project or just want to find out more, join us in the Discord. Link is in the description. There are some opportunities to get into this one super early at the earliest opportunity possible. So go check out the uh, Discord. Link is in the description. Free to join. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed today's interview, mash up that like button. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed already. Tapping that bell, selecting all the notifications so you never miss a video.